Merry Christmas, everyone. We are so happy that we get to be together tonight to celebrate. Uh, this is an amazing holiday, and we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus many years ago. So there's a few key traditions that really make things feel like Christmas, and I'm sure that you guys have your own. Um, for me, the Christmas Eve service is definitely one of them. There's the candle lighting portion, a little safer this year, less fire, less risk. There's dressing up, getting a Starbucks Christmas drink on the way in, trying to stay calm in the long line and not get angry. It's all tradition, it's a need. And another key tradition in my family is listening to the Andy Williams Christmas album. So specifically that one, he just sounds like Christmas to me. So one song in particular, for me, would be the ultimate Christmas song. If you disagree, I don't wanna hear it. So uh, I thought I would share it all with you. And that is, Christmas needs love to be Christmas. So I thought I would do a public service tonight and not sing it, for one, but also give you a list of the four must-haves for a Christmas song according to CBC and edited by me. Because you all wanted my opinion, and I'm gonna give it to you this Christmas. So the first thing, it must say the word Christmas. You'd think that would be an obvious, but I'm just letting you know. So I would say this is the same for Christmas movies, but that would ignite the age-old debate on if Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And I just thought we wouldn't get into that today. But bonus points if Christmas is included in the song title. Number two, bells must be included. Now, it doesn't matter what kind. You can have like sleigh bells. You know those bells that kids play in Christmas carols? You can have that. Uh, you can even just talk about them. You don't have to sing about them. You can just mention them. But bells have to be part of the song. Number three, it must fit into a commercial. If it does not relate to Toyota, I don't want to hear it. It's not a Christmas song. And number four, there needs to be a chorus of children singing at some point in the song. Because the whole merriment of the season is children's hearts and excitement for Christmas. Okay, so maybe number four isn't actually needed, but where else in popular songs do you have a whole bunch of kids singing quietly, sometimes eerily, in the background? Andy Williams' Christmas Needs Love to be Christmas manages to hit all four of these must-haves, and if it didn't fit the list, I took it out. So I'm not making any money off the shameless plug. I don't work for Andy Williams, as you might think, but it's the lyrics that remind me of Christmas and what tomorrow is all about. The chorus reads, Christmas needs love to be Christmas. It's something we all need more of. Year in and year out, I'm left with no doubt. The greatest of all gifts is love. Love is the final the candle of Advent. And tonight we celebrate the truest love the world has ever known. The love is the birth of Jesus who came to earth, fully man and yet fully God came to this earth to die a criminal's death on a cross while completely blameless and taking on the full punishment of sin upon himself. Tonight is all about the Latin word of Advent, which means coming, the coming of Jesus and the coming of love to our earth. Now there are two big things that love is and we see it all throughout the Christmas season. Love at Christmas is about being present and it's about being invited to the table. So the Christmas season brings a lot of different emotions, and they aren't always about the beauty and magic of Christmas. In hard times, we naturally crave connection and support. 
in excitement, we want to share it with others. And love means being present for the good and the hard moments. Now, Christmas movies are all about love and presence, if you think about it. The Grinch is the story of a man whose heart grows three sizes because a little girl showed him some love and acceptance. Elf is about a father-son relationship, family. Every Hallmark movie is about some small-town plaid-wearing guy that falls in love with someone from a city that runs a business. Uh, I need to be honest, I'm still pretty confused about a Christmas story. I've seen it more than once now, but I'm sure there's something in there that has to do with love and presence and family. But while they are all great love stories, they are not the greatest love story. Because in the midst of all the more modern Christmas stories, we have the original Christmas story. The one that in a very real way gave way to all of the others. And that is the birth of Jesus Christ. So I know some of you have probably heard this story before, but I'm going to read it tonight. Starting in Luke 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to hear her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come to you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. For she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So Joseph also went up to, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the Bethlehem town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks that night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. 
And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So throughout the Bible, God constantly hears the needs and cries of his people. So don't let the busyness of the season take you away from being present in the hard moments and in the good moments. Take time to really listen to the needs of your coworkers, your friends, and your family. Be proactive in finding out if they have somewhere to go. Invite them to your Christmas dinner. Invite them to New Year's to look at Christmas lights with a hot chocolate. In the midst of all the great Christmas festivities, don't miss the importance of being present with the people around you. The whole Christmas season celebrates Jesus as Emmanuel. And the translation of that is God with us. And this changes everything for us. Presence is what we crave this time of year because it's the time where Jesus came to us to be in this world and to be God with us. And love is being invited to the table. So there's one Christmas movie that I think shows the love that God demonstrated at Christmas more than any other. And it might surprise you, but I think it's The Grinch. It might not be the one you were thinking, but hear me out. So the story starts with explaining our main character, the Grinch, and his personal views on the Christmas season. And the narration goes like this. Every Who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all is his heart may have been two sizes too small. So our story follows the green Grinch, the anti-Santa, if you will, as he hatches a plan to steal Christmas from the Who's. And not just the presents, but everything that he believes defines the day, including every last crumb and every last Christmas light. He sews himself a fake Santa Claus suit, sneaks into Whoville on Christmas Eve, and slips into their homes while they are sleeping and steals everything. Now, in the execution of his plan to ruin Christmas, we see him do some of the most concerning acts imaginable. He commits criminal impersonation of Santa. He uh, does breaking and entering. That's bad. Vandalism, larceny, and I'm pretty sure when he's riding the sleigh down the mountain, he's exceeding the speed limit. And once he starts stealing from a home, a little girl wakes up and mistakes him for Santa. And when asks why he's stealing her stuff, he tells her that he's not. He says, a light broke and I'll fix it up there and I'll bring it back here. So we're adding deceit and dishonesty to a child to the list. Now, if this common children's Christmas story isn't bad enough, as we've talked about, that's not the worst of it. He cleans out every living room, empties every refrigerator, and steals every bit of the Who's stuff, and he takes it all to the top of Mount Crumpet to dump it. But before he does, he stands and waits to hear the sounds of grief that he expects to hear coming up the mountain from the little town, as the Who's awake to realize that no Christmas is coming that year. But then comes my favorite part of the whole story. Boris Karloff narrates for us, he hadn't stopped Christmas from coming, it came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow stood puzzling and puzzling, how could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. 
He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. So we learn that his heart grew three sizes that day, which is probably a serious medical condition that needs some serious help immediately from a trained physician. But he is changed. As the story comes to a close, the changed Grinch takes all of the stolen items back into Whoville. Now the next step would normally be an arrest followed by jail time, along with some anger and hurt from the Who's in Whoville. But instead, the Who's actually welcome him. They greet him with cheer and forgiveness. And more than that, they invite him to share in their Christmas celebration and even allow him to sit at the head of the table with them for Christmas dinner. Now, the story of the Grinch is really telling us the true meaning of Christmas, that it isn't about the presents and the decorations. But if the Grinch only teaches us that Christmas is about more than consuming and buying and getting, then yeah, it saves us some money. But there's more to it when we look at the story of Jesus. There's good news for everyone in both stories. The true story of Christmas is the promise of a baby born to change the world. It's the promise of forgiveness from our sin and unconditional love from God, no matter how deep that sin runs. In the Grinch and in his transformation, we actually find the message of Christmas that is at the core of the story of Jesus Christ. The story that begins in separation ends in reconciliation. And today, God wants you to know that that's your story too. We all, in different ways, can be like the Grinch. We can be hateful, we can hold resentment and bitterness, we can be selfish, and the list goes on. But we are also the ones who are changed by the deep love of God, most perfectly expressed in the life of Jesus, whose birth we celebrate this season. God doesn't just forgive us, but he invites us to sit at the table and to do the honors of carving the roast beef. He is present with us in spite of us. Now, it's easy to find the Grinch as just a villain of the children's Christmas story. And it's easy to isolate during these seasons when life is hard and the challenges just keep coming. But tonight, I pray that each person in this room knows that you are loved and valued by God. He is with you this season in the incredibly fun moments, but also in the hardest, most lonely moments. And no matter what you are feeling this Christmas or what this year has brought you, you are invited to the table with God to sit in honor and carve the roast beef. So I'm going to pray as we close the service today. So if you'll just bow your heads. God, we thank you for this season. We thank you that you came to this earth as a baby with a great purpose to save us all. So God, on this Christmas season, I pray that we get to enjoy those things that you brought. Love, presence, God with us. And we thank you for that today. Amen. If you uh, have any interest in living a life centered on Jesus, we would love to celebrate that with you. So if that's your decision today, you can go to eaglemont.info, and we would love to help give you some material on how to help you start that new journey. And if you have questions or doubts about God, or you want a safe place to learn more, we invite you to check out Alpha, which starts January 18th here at Eaglemont. There is an adult Alpha as well as a youth Alpha for grades 6 to 12 happening here. So to get more information on this or to sign up, you can use uh, eaglemont.info and click on the alpha button there. But I'm going to ask you to turn your attentions to the screen.